Good morning, Crossroads Ministries. It's great to be worshiping with you here this morning. It's great to see everybody. Uh, for those of you who are joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. It's great for you to join us here as well. It's a beautiful Sunday day. It's a great day to worship the Lord. Amen. You're already standing. You guys are all ready to go.
and stories of what they think your life, life heard, tender whispers of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father, it's who you are, it's who you are, it's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am, it's who I am, it's who I am.
nothing uh, nothing can match the love of God, can it? Can it? Nothing can match the love of God, who is our good, good Father. Listen, uh, all of us gathering here every single weekend, this is this is really special that we can gather here. We can gather under the name of Jesus Christ. So welcome. We're just thrilled that you're here. We're glad that you're here. Welcome. Uh, welcome all of our guests. Any of our guests, please stop by the Welcome Center before you leave. We'd love to connect with you, get to know you, and uh, introduce ourselves so that you know somebody else. That's always a big thing, getting to know somebody else and knowing them by name, and they know you by name. And we also have a gift for you, so please stop by the Welcome Center before you leave. And we want to welcome uh, those joining us online. We're thrilled that you're hanging out with us online, and we're going we're gonna to lift up the name of Christ. That's what we're going to do. Uh, church, I want to share with you a few things that are coming up that are really important. One is the next uh, Saturday we're having our extravaganza. So in your bulletin, there is an invite in there, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about one person, think about a family that you can invite to come up with you and, and hang out. This is a free event. This is a great event. Uh, this is going to be on April 1st. You can see all the information on our website, and you can see a few little details on this invite. But I want to encourage you to hand this to somebody and say, hey, would you come with us? Would you come with us? Would you join us? Meet us in the parking lot. We'll take our kids through. We'll have families together. We'll go through this event, and this is a great opportunity to invite somebody uh, to just have a great time, first of all, but then most importantly to say there's something happening up on this hill. Right, church? There's something happening on this hill. There's a light on this hill, and we want the whole community and this city to know what we're all about, and that's Christ. That's Jesus Christ. And so extravaganza, be in prayer for this. If you are on the team serving at this event, there is an informational meeting, 630 this Thursday, right here in the auditorium. All things egg hunt. Uh, be in prayer for that extravaganza on April 1st. And then in your bulletin as well, there is uh, a greatest story ever told. Uh, that is that is Jesus Christ. Again, you're hearing the echo because that's what we're all about here. And so there are a few things that I want to encourage you with this. One, on the back, there's all kinds of information about a Good Friday gathering, which is 7 p.m., a night of worship and communion, as we focus on what Jesus did for us on the cross. And then Saturday, uh, we're having a, a 6 p.m. gathering, Sunday, 8 a.m., 9.30 and 11. And so use this as a way to be in prayer for somebody and invite them to come on out on Good Friday and then our Easter services Saturday and then Sunday. But church, we are going to continue to lift up the name of Jesus. And listen, um, we're th we're, last night was a powerful night as we opened up the word, and we're going to watch God do a powerful thing this morning. Would you stand with me as we continue on this morning? Before we go to prayer, I want to say thank you for your faithfulness in giving unto the Lord. Giving unto the Lord allows us to, just as a church, to serve him and to, to widen his kingdom. And so thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord and worshiping him uh, with your resources. God has been good to us, and so thank you for giving. You can give online through the mail or the offering boxes here in the auditorium or in the lobby. Church, let's just go before the Lord and let's, uh, let's focus our hearts. God, we love you. And um, what a privilege it is to, to gather uh, with your body, to gather as, uh, as believers, to gather as people who are just trying to, to figure out what truth looks like. Um, Lord, we know that we're all on different paths of, of seeking, um, Lord, something greater in our lives. And Lord, some of us have been walking with you for a long time. Some of us are not sure. Some of us are skeptics. Some of us just aren't really sure at all to some degree. Lord, we just pray that this morning that as we open up your word that you would Focus all of us on the cross. Focus all of us on Jesus. No matter what angle we're coming from, that our truth would be found in you, in your word. There is no other truth. There is no other way. It's only you, Jesus. 
Lord, help us to arrive at that this morning, to not let another day go by. Lord, we time is slipping, time is going like crazy, and we can't wait another day. Today is the day of salvation. Lord, we love you. We thank you for this egg hunt we have coming up for our Good Friday and Easter gatherings. It's all for you. So would you be glorified in all that we do here? Would you be honored in all that we do? Lord, be with your church as we respond through song and then as we hear from the word. We, we love you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. shake and crumble at your name the oceans roar and tumble at your name angels will bow the earth will rejoice your people cry out
culture, our religion. They attempt to define him. They attempt to define us. So we tell ourselves, I am not enough. I am not worth it. I am unrighteous. I am unholy. But Jesus is the I am. So rewrite the script. Cover the shame. Be filled with grace. Embraced by love. Jesus really? Who is Jesus to you? As we approach Easter, we've been taking a, just a closer look at who Jesus is. And, uh, you know, we talk about Jesus all the time, but do we really understand who he is? Do we really know who Jesus is? And so when Peter uh, was talking with the Lord, and the Lord asked his disciples, who do, who do men say that I am? And Peter responds to him, and he says, you are the Christ, you're the Messiah. And so whenever he makes that response to the Lord, this was a, a powerful response because Jesus says, you've answered the right answer. Like some people think he's just a prophet. Some people think he's just a good man. We went through and we looked uh, a little bit uh, earlier the, few, the past few weeks. We looked at he's the friend of sinners. And thanks be to God that he's the friend of sinners because I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. We need him. We need the God of the universe. He is our friend. So he's the friend of sinners. We looked at how powerful he is. We saw the power of God, the, the mighty power that he had. And he displayed it in the miracles that he performed. And then we saw last week with our missionary that was here last week, he shared with us that Jesus is precious. And uh, he looked at his word, at God's word, and he said that how precious is the Lord. And so today as we're thinking about the Lord, we're thinking about how precious our God is, I want to encourage you today to be thinking about who is Jesus really in your life. When you think about who Jesus is, who is this Jesus? Well, today we're looking at this thought here that Jesus is God. And, you know, for many of you, you've been in church for a while, you're familiar with that statement. But Jesus is God. Would you say that with me? Jesus is God. And when you think about this, that Jesus is God, this is a, a polarizing statement for our world that we live in. But Jesus is God. The world has a problem with that statement. Why does the world have a problem with that statement? Because if Jesus is God, then you're not. If Jesus is God, then, there's, then there's, there's, uh, there's no other way. Jesus is the way. So look here at, at John chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to show you just a few verses here. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this is one of those verses that you ought to memorize if you want to know who Jesus is. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus there, all right? So he's referring to Jesus. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, so he was with God at creation, and the Word was God. So it's a little confusing, isn't it? He says the Word 
in the beginning, so he always was. So when you're thinking about Jesus, I want you to catch this. Jesus always was. Jesus always existed. When Jesus came into this earth and he was born of a virgin, and when you see the, the, son, uh, the son of God coming in a manger, that was not his beginning. He, was, uh, he always was. He had always existed, and so he always was. In the beginning was the word, and he was with God. So he's with the Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This is where we see the, the Trinity. So here he, he's telling us he, he always was. He was with the Father, and he was God. He is God. He was in the beginning with God. Verse 2, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. So the very creation, the very world that we live in, was made by the hand of Jesus. Now think about this. This little baby that comes at Christmas time, that we celebrate at Christmas time, he was the creator of the universe. Like when, when you think about it, like he, he came in and he had to grow up as a man. He was 100% God, yet 100% man. He had to grow up as the creator of the universe. He had to grow up with his mom changing his diapers at first. Now think about that. That's humility, isn't it? That's power under control. He did not lose his godness whenever he became a man. But he took on the form of man and he lived the perfect life, the only perfect holy life. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So in him is life. If you're looking for life, you've come to the right place. It's Jesus. And the scripture says that life is the light of men. That is, that is what all men are looking for, and it's all found in the person of Jesus. If you go on further down in John chapter 1, John tells us here, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. So the word of God has, has, made, has become flesh and made his dwelling among us. And I want you to catch that. Uh, he says, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So now we see, not only did he always exist, but now we see John's telling us that he came into the world. We beheld his glory, the only begotten of the Father. This was the only one. There was God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you see Jesus come, this is the only Son that is generated directly, the begotten. That's what that word begotten means. The only one that come from God himself. We are adopted. We are known as sons and daughters of God, right? We have been adopted into the family of God. And by being adopted into the family of God, we're adopted because of what happened to Jesus on the cross. But the word of God, the God, Jesus Christ, the word, became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And notice here, he's full of grace and truth. He was the perfect balance, grace and truth. Many people are all about grace. Others are all about truth. You know, at times the truth can be harsh, can it? Sometimes the, the truth is just painful. And sometimes you, we, we like to go to grace and we only talk about grace. Other times we only talk about truth. Jesus was the perfect embodiment of this. He was full of grace and truth. If you go back to the book of Genesis, you would find in Genesis 1.26, God says, let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. There's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is all the way back at creation. And the second point in your notes this morning 
And just because I'm hitting point two at 10 o'clock does not mean you're getting out early, okay? <laughs> I want to clarify that. Some of you are like, wow, this is not my New Year's resolution. I blew that. Um, Jesus is the only way. Would you say that with me? Jesus is the only way. Now, when you think about this, Jesus is the only way. You want to hear a polarizing statement? There it is. Whenever you go to the culture and you say Jesus is the only way, this is the offensive statement. When you tell the world that there's only one way to get to God, there's only one way that you should live your life, and it's through Jesus, the world goes, ah, and, and they're mad. Have you noticed we live in a sensitive world? You know, I can't even tell you that I like John Eagle because you may like Aldi's better, right? I mean, it's just the world that we live in right now. No matter what we say, well, my way's better. And let me tell you the reason why this is so offensive is because it's been offensive from day one for those that are not followers of Jesus Christ. And it will always be offensive to those that are on the outside. Um, I, I want you to catch this. Jesus said here in John 14, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. He says, man, you're looking at God right here. There, there's no reason to be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And then the very next verse is so powerful. My man Thomas steps in. Don't you love Thomas? Thomas is known as Doubting Thomas. How would you like that? Like people who don't know anything about Jesus, they know Doubting Thomas, right? Like there's Thomas, Doubting Thomas. You know, I'm sorry if you were named Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas, right? So everybody goes to the Doubting Thomas. Here is Doubting Thomas. And Doubting Thomas says here in verse 5, Thomas said to him, Lord... We don't know where you're going, and we don't know the way. Jesus said to him, now this is powerful, this is, this is the statement right here. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through, no one comes to the Father except through me. Now there is the statement that defines Jesus right there. He says, I am the way the truth, and the life. Notice he doesn't say, I am a good way. He doesn't say, I am a way. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, all roads lead to heaven? That's like saying all roads lead to Pittsburgh. We can barely get there on Route 88, yet alone all roads. You know what I mean? You've got to know where you're going. Jesus says, I am the way. Uh, listen, there's many people in our world that believe, oh, well, if I'm a good person, that's my way. Many people will say, well, I'll, I'll try what, what makes me feel good. And, and, the, and again, the world has always had this. This isn't just 2023 culture. This is, Jesus has always been the, 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 the defining moment. Either he is the way or he's not. He's not a way. He is not a truth. 
He is the truth. All source of truth comes from him. He, ca- he was present at creation. He created this whole world. Therefore, all truth comes from him. If you're looking for truth, you have found it in Jesus Christ. That's where you will find truth. That will be the solid. You can build it there. Most of what the world gives you is bait and switch. Have you noticed that? Do you ever buy something on Amazon and get it home and you're like, that is not what I looked at online. And off it goes. You go back to Whole Foods. That's the only way we get into Whole Foods. No, I'm just kidding, right? It's to return our stuff, right? So we get it because it's just so pricey. You got to go to Aldi's. They're organic too, right? So anyhow, he, he says, listen, he says, I am the way, the truth. He, he is the truth. And he says, I am the life. Now, I want you to catch this because many people get this idea that we only, Jesus only came so that you could go to heaven. And folks, I think that's a big part of our story, is it not? But that's not the only part of our story. He came that you may have life, eternal life and abundant life, full, complete life. So if you're looking, if there's a part of you that's been dying inside, you're looking for life, you will find it in Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except through Jesus Christ. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. Uh, This is the powerful statements of Jesus Christ. This is the claims of who God is. And we are to carry this message into our world with grace and truth. Just like Jesus was full of grace and truth, we carry it with grace and truth. I don't go out, I'm not ignorant to people about it. But the truth is, Jesus is the only way, amen? He is the only way. You won't get to heaven, you won't get to God, you won't find life, you won't find truth, you won't find your way in life by making your own way. There's a way that seems right unto a man, the end leads to destruction. Well, God himself has said, look, I understand, you want to pick your own way. Jesus himself talked about this. He talked in Matthew 7, 13. He said, enter by the narrow gate. This is powerful. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. So many people. He says, wide, enter the gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to what? Destruction. A way that seems right. I'm going to pick my own way. I'm just going to live life according to how I feel. I'm going to do what what comes natural to me. I'm going to take matters into my own hands. I'm going to make myself feel better about life. I'm going to turn over a new leaf. That way is the broad way, he says, and it leads to destruction. And there are many who go that way. Many. Listen, it's a wide, wide it's that it's that way, that direction. It's long, it's wide. Many are going that way. Then he says, but narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. The way. Jesus said, I am the way. Difficult is the way. Why is this so difficult to do the way? Because it's not my way, it's the way. 
It's not the highway. Listen, the highway is fun, man. You're cruising. You're going along. There's all kind of company. It's, it's, it's a party scene. The narrow way is not my desire, but the desires of the God whom I follow. The narrow way is surrendering to God Almighty. And so I want to encourage us with this thought this morning. Jesus is God, and if he is God, if he is the way, the truth, and the life, that is going to impact our life in a powerful way. Could you imagine Jesus is God, and, and he comes in, and, and he's revealing himself to you. Could you imagine somebody at your work come into, into your office tomorrow and says, hey, uh, I just want you to let you know I'm God. What would you do? You'd be calling 911. This guy's delusional, right? That's what was happening with those people in that day. They were polarized by this. Um, they, they were looking at this and they were saying there is no way that this guy could be God. Because everything that they learned was about his holiness, about his majesty, about his glory, about his power. They could not see him in a human form. And God comes down and has his own plan and his ways are not our ways. His way is the way. And so we're going to look at a passage here now um, in, in John chapter 10, verse 22. It says, uh, it talks about Jesus when he comes and he reveals himself. And he says this, now it was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem and it was winter. As you go through this passage, you're going to see belief and disbelief. As a matter of fact, the whole book of John is about belief. If you want to have an interesting study, take the book of John, 21 chapters. You know I'm big on 21, right? 21 makes a new habit, right? 21 chapters. You read 21 chapters. And every time you read the word believe, highlight it, circle it, underline it. Make, make yourself a list of every time you read the word believe. The whole book is about belief. In this passage, you're going to see those who believe and those who do not believe. And I want you to catch this because here, here's, here's, a, here's a big issue. Most people in our world do not believe that Jesus is God. Do not believe that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So I want to encourage you to take these flyers and hand them out go get somebody and bring them for easter somebody that you think would be the farthest from god invite them 90 percent of people will come if they were invited 90 percent i i shared that statistic a few weeks ago and uh, one of our ladies shared with me her text that she had texted her friend i think it was in the, in the middle of the service she texted her friend and invited a family of five to come on easter and said this is when i typically come you can come and sit with me and to her surprise, this family said, we will be there. We will be there. So I want to encourage you. It's so simple. Just invite and say, hey, I'm, I'm going to the 930 service. I have added on an 8 o'clock service so that there's room. Because some of you are saying, how can I invite anybody? There's no room already, right? Well, that's what we're doing. We're adding on the 8 o'clock. And uh, we're just going to see what God's going to do. Because most people don't believe. We're going to see that in this passage. It's the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. A and as you're, as you're reading this, you can almost see the uh, John here. You can almost see John saying, see, it's winter. I it's cold. These people were cold with disbelief. They, most people didn't believe. I it's the Feast of Dedication, and it's winter time. This is what we know as the Feast of Hanukkah. Uh, and you know that today, many Jewish people still, most Jewish people still celebrate Hanukkah. And Hanukkah was an interesting uh, celebration. It was a celebration of the rebellion of a, of a guy named Judas Maccabeus 
uh, Judas Maccabees, against, uh, uh, against a Syrian leader named Antiochus Epiphanes. Now, I'm probably botching his name pretty good there. But Antiochus Epiphanes. And so uh, as you look through history, you read about this guy, Antiochus Epiphanes. He, uh, you know, the, the nation of Israel faced occupation. They faced uh, persecution. And now this was a Syrian leader. This is around 160-something, uh, 165 B.C. is whenever this is taking place. So what happened was the Syrian leader came in, and he called himself this, uh, this Antiochus Epiphanes. He gave him this name Epiphanes. Uh, Epiphanes. And this idea behind that name was he was saying, I am God manifest. That's what that name means. I am God manifest. So in other words, when the Jews heard this, they heard this name in Hebrew, they said, okay, this guy thinks he's God. And obviously the Jews were not going to take that. The Jews were like, no way, this guy is not God in the flesh. Just like they came to Jesus and said no. But let me tell you, this is a little bit tougher because this guy was, uh, was a, uh, a blatant against the Jews. They, as a matter of fact, this guy was so crazy that he went and he, uh, he made all kind of rules against the Jews. He went into the temple and he, he put in on the altar in the temple, he put a statue of Zeus for them to worship Zeus instead of the true living God. He took and he said, we're doing away with the Sabbath. He made the slaves all work on Sabbath. He took them, many of them as slaves. He killed countless numbers of them. He, uh, he did away with circumcision for the, for the children. And if he got wind that somebody was circumcised, that had the child circumcised, he took their child and he had the child killed. And he would wrap the child around the mother's neck, make her walk through town to the Kidron Valley, then toss them both into the Kidron Valley and make a public display of her death as well. This guy was bad, bad news. It was an oppression trying to stamp out the nation of Israel. And during this revolution, and this is a historical fact, during this uh, re revolt, this rebellion, Judas Maccabeus it, it comes and he has great victory. Uh, let me tell you about Antiochus Epiphanes. They, uh, he had that name Antiochus Epiphanes. He was so bad, and they knew that this was not God in the flesh, that they came up with another name for him. The Jews called him Antiochus Empanes. And this is just a play on words. Empanes, Epiphanes, very close, right? So this Empanes meant a madman. So they referred to him as a, as a madman. So this was a brutal part of history. Jesus arrives on the scene. This is 33 A.D. now. And here's Jesus. He's coming in. It's during this Feast of Tabernacle. I'm sorry. It's during the Feast of Dedication, which is the Feast of Hanukkah. And he is doing his, his ministry. And he comes in. And it's during this setting. So catch us. Because during this moment, there was a heightened sense of patriotism. It'd be like July 4th for us, right? We're thinking a little bit more about patriotism. Kind of waving the flag. So... The, the whole story of Hanukkah, if you go back and look at Hanukkah, they have the menorah. And you'll see the menorah in most of the windows of Jewish homes during, during Hanukkah. The, the whole story of that was that there was enough oil in there to last one day. But God, according to legend, according to their history, says that God gave them enough and made that oil that was for one day last for eight days. And so it kept the, the worship open. And so in 164 B.C., we see that there was victory over, over the, uh, over the uh, Antiochus Epiphanes. 
So here we come. This is a great time. This feast was not mentioned in the Old Testament. I want you to catch this because this is a little interesting thing about culture. Jesus embraced it. It was not one of the feasts that were mandatory in the Old Testament. So we just don't see it there. But Jesus did. He, he, he participated in it. He, had, he enjoyed it. He was part of the festivities of the day. So he walks in, and it was winter. He knows there. Jesus walked into the temple in Solomon's porch. So verse 23 there. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. So he goes through into this particular part of the temple known as Solomon's porch. And as he, uh, he goes out there, he's about to have a meeting with the Jews. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. So here, here this word doubt, they're coming at it with this word doubt, but look how Jesus responds to them. Jesus told them, I told you, and you do not believe, that my works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. He says, I told you, and you do not believe. Why do you keep us in doubt? Tell us plainly, are you the Messiah? Are you God? I've told you already, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, that'll tell you who I am. This was a heightened sense. They're, they're looking for a Messiah. They know that one day the Messiah is coming. So Jesus is coming, and he's in the middle of this, and he has this incredible discussion. And they use this word doubt. We'll go back to that verse there. He says, why? Uh, they said, how long will you keep us in doubt? How long will you keep us in doubt? I want you to catch this. These people weren't doubting. These people were disbelieving. There's a difference between doubt and disbelief. Um, he says, tell us, he says, I told you plainly, and you disbelieved. Over in John chapter 4, the Samaritan woman, they believed, the Samaritans believed in, in the Messiah, and so did the Jews. But there was a rift between the two of them. And Jesus is having this discussion with the Samaritan woman, and he says this to, to the Samaritan woman, the Messiah that you talk of, that's me. I am he. Uh, in John 5, 46, Jesus said this. He said, if you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. He says, man, when you're reading Moses, that's, that's me. I'm, I'm the one that you're talking about. And so I want to I encourage you. Some of us deal with doubt. Doubt does not disqualify. Did you ever hear that in church before? Doubt does not disqualify. Disbelief disqualifies. You, let me say it like this. Everybody doubts from time to time. You're following Christ and something happens in your life that you can't comprehend. It, it doesn't make quite sense. And there comes a doubt in your mind at that point. Maybe sometimes you lay awake at night and you, you doubt and you, you begin to think about the deeper things of life. You think about life after you and you begin to have these doubts. Let me tell you, a doubt is not bad. As a matter of fact, one author said like this. Uh, O.S. Guinness said it like this. He says, show me somebody's intensity of their doubt, and I will show you the man's intensity of his faith. When we doubt, it causes us to ask more questions and get more answers. Doubt is not necessarily bad. Disbelief. You see, what was happening here, these people were disbelieving. 
these people were not doubting. They're coming at him strong in that word. They're not doubting. They're in disbelief. Matthew Henry said it like this. He said, there are none so blind as those who will not see. There are none so deaf as those who will not hear. You know, if you come to Jesus, and right now our world is screaming this. You, you, you bring them Jesus right now, and many people say, ah. I mean, the culture is just totally disbelieving right now. We had a culture that was based upon Christian morals, Christian principles, the Bible. The Ten Commandments used to be a public display. Now, today in the world we live, it's an argument. And it should not be an argument. How do we have a court of law without knowing some basis of morality of where it came from? This is the basis of where we get our understanding of the way, the truth, the life. How do we get this? It's through God. And so as we're looking here, he says, he says this, verse 26, he says, But you do not believe because you're not my sheep. You do not believe. You disbelieve. I, you've heard me say, if you read about Moses, you would understand me because he's talking about me. You've heard me say, you've heard me say, you've heard me say, but you do not believe because you are not my sheep. As I said to you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. If you want to know if somebody's a follower of Christ, it's right there. Do they know the voice of God, and do they follow Jesus? That's the test. The test is not your good works. You can't earn heaven, but my life will show you I'm a follower of Christ. I hear the voice of God, and I follow him. I want you to think about that because it's so important here. The scripture says, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. This is so powerful. You get to hear his voice. You get to follow him. And he makes you a child. And you are in the hand of God. Now look what that says there. No one, anyone, no one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. I memorized that in one translation and said like this. No one will pluck them out of my hand. Listen, that, that's a powerful statement. I want you to catch this. You think that by your own actions, by your own sin, that you can be plucked out of the hand of God. The scripture says no. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. But you'll know who his followers are because they believe, they hear the voice of God, and then they follow. And I want you to catch this because this is so important here. He says this, he says, you, 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 everything about Jesus, Jesus quoted the Old Testament, I think it was 68 times. And so if Jesus quoted the Old Testament 68 times, it tells you there's value to the scripture, right? And Jesus said that not one, he said that heaven and earth will pass away, but my word will never pass away. And he said not one jot or one tittle. And what that is, those are, those are punctuation marks, inflection marks in the Hebrew language. I took a Hebrew course, and it almost didn't let me out of college. I'm just letting you know that. I'm glad that I do not have to be a Hebrew scholar. I have Hebrew tools to help me explain this stuff today. I, I, I was doing the master's level, and my eyes just started needing these things. And I'm like looking on this computer, I'm like, oh, my goodness. 
Jesus said not one of those little things. I, I heard a story about, about a guy. He was, he was texting. Uh, his wife went on a trip. She went over to Europe. And as she went over to Europe, it was a, it was a, a fun time, and she found a, a ring. They're, they're pretty wealthy people, and you'll know by the, the price I give you, the ring was $75,000. So, you know, my wife knows better. Don't even ask. You know, it's okay. <laughs> we'll buy a house for that. We're not going to buy a ring, right? So $75,000. So she gets on the phone, and she texts her husband and says, Honey, I found this ring. It's absolutely beautiful, $75,000. And so he replies back and he says, no, price too high. I think I have that slide in there. We'll put that slide up if you have that slide. No, price too high. So she reads it. And she goes, he loves me. There's no price too high. She goes and buys the $75,000 ring. She comes home, and she goes, honey, I can't believe that you love me. No price too high for me, the love of your life. And what he meant was, no, comma, price too high. Now, let, let me tell you this about the Word of God. Not one comma will pass away. Not one that come from the Word of God, from God himself, will pass away. And Jesus says, you can bank your life on this. My father, verse 29, my father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. And then he says, I and my father are one. And you say, well, oh, that just means they're on the same page. He's on the same page as God. Then why for the next verse? Verse 31, then the Jews took up stones to stone him again. And this is pretty powerful. Then the Jews took up stones to stone him again. And we'll, I'm just going to read through the passage there. Let's continue. Jesus answered them, many good works I have shown you from my father. For which of these do you stone me? Then Jesus answered him saying, uh, then the Jews answered him saying, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy. And because you, being a man, make yourself God. And so as you read the passage and you continue there, you'll see that he, he slips away. And don't for one minute think that he was afraid of dying. He wasn't running from death. He knew it was not the Father's time. This was winter, spring, he would go to the cross. He goes to the cross uh, at, around the, the Feast of Passover. And he would not die in the back of a temple where a few people knocked him over. He died on a hill called Calvary where all the criminals died, where the whole culture knew that criminals were died. Jesus was not the only one to be crucified. Criminals, they, they would crucify criminals on a regular basis. And that's where they hung Jesus on the cross. And he paid for your sins. So I want to close the service this morning with this thought. We, we're going to have a baptism in just a few moments. We've got one of our young people that said yes to Jesus. Isn't that wonderful, folks? Yes. Thanks be to God. But we have one of our young people. Just happens to be my neighbor. And I'm pretty excited about this one. I'm excited about all baptisms, but man, this is real deal. 
this young lady, she said yes to Jesus as God. And folks, that's what I'm asking you today, like Jesus asked, do you believe? And if you do, will you follow? For wide is the way that leads to destruction, and narrow is the only way that leads to God. But the scripture tells us it's for whosoever will. Whosoever will. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, I want to invite you to Jesus. I want to invite you to trust Christ as your personal Savior. Jesus is God. Are you willing to surrender to him? He says in his scripture that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and will believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved from the punishment of your sins. You will find life if you will confess that Jesus is Lord, Jesus is God, and believe in your heart that the Father raised him from the dead, you will have eternal life. I invite you today to trust Jesus. And if that's you today, would you pray something like this? Dear Jesus, I come before you, Lord, and I admit that you are God. Jesus is Lord. And I am a sinner. And I need you to save me. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, for being buried, and for rising again the third day. I trust you right now as my Savior. And with our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, maybe, maybe others in the room, maybe you have been, you have been struggling with this broad way versus the narrow way. May I tell you, keep following Jesus. There's no greater way than the only way, the only truth, and the only life. Father God, we thank you, and I ask that you'll do what only you can do in our life, Lord. God, we're so excited about the, our young lady here getting baptized this morning, declaring her faith that Jesus is God, that Jesus is Lord, and the Lord of her life. And it's evident, Lord, we can see it as she's walking with you. Thanks be to God for what you're doing in our church, Lord. Thank you for the many in this room, Lord, that made a decision today to follow Jesus, the only way, the only truth, the only life. In your precious name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and sing a song, uh, just a brief song as we prepare for our baptism to close our service.
My name is Bella Palmer. I'm in seventh grade, and I've been coming here for about five years. Um, I met Jesus through a church event and prayed along with Pastor Kent to accept him in my heart. My favorite verse, Philippians 4.13, says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he gives me the strength every day to pray and read my Bible to keep closer with him. I want to show everyone that I love God and he loves me and that I'm a child of God. Good morning, everybody. Can you guys help me welcome Bella Palmer up here? I'm super excited for this moment. This is really awesome. Bella, do you believe and have accepted that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that he's your Lord and your Savior? Yes. Awesome. So let's give her a round of applause. She said yes. On that profession of faith, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death, raised in the likeness of his resurrection. So you're good to go up. You're good to go up there. I love it, Pastor Ken. Amen. We thank it. God. We thank God. There's great things happening in our youth ministry. Amen. I love it, man. Let's, let's give Bella a hand, man. I thank God for good parents, man. She, uh, the Palmers are my neighbors. They moved in what, about five, six years ago across the street there, and they somehow tolerate me. They're, they're wonderful people, and uh, I'll tell you what, I'm just so thankful for how they're helping their kids to find God, and God is doing it. And now I'll tell you what, the girl is a Christ follower. She's so kind. I'll tell you what, she's kind to me, you know. So anyhow, let's stand together and rejoice one more time for Bella Palmer. God bless you. Have a great day.